0: Welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 66 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Friday night's game versus the Warriors. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short 20 to 25 minute episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. I'll start off by giving you a quick rundown of the game, followed by my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, something to keep an eye on moving forward, my thoughts on the opponents, and a brief look ahead to what will come next for our Pistons. Before we get into this one, I do want to plug a couple fun articles that I just dropped at Detroit Bad Boys. I often talk on the podcast about momentum changing sequences throughout the game. So if you're a little more interested in what I'm talking about, please go check out the article and video breakdowns from the Kings and Pacers game. Also, I had a chance to do some video breakdowns on Jeremy Grant's game in what was a fun collaboration with Steve Pelletier, who did an amazing job with the written article. If you get some time, please go check those out. Leave a comment with what you think. Now, let's get right into this game. I'm recording immediately after the Pistons' gut-wrenching 102-105 loss to the Depleted Warriors. I know some people are going to say this was a good loss. They want to see this team lose, and... I don't know, I don't want to say tank, but you know, get right back into that lottery mix. Maybe you are one of those people, and I understand, I get it, but for me, every t- chance we get to actually win one of these games, I want to see us take advantage of it. Now, it was great to see this team in this situation and their ability to learn from it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to some pregame notes. Same starting lineup for the Pistons again. The Warriors are without Steph and Draymond. Of course, Wiseman and Clay Thompson haven't played as as at all this season. Uh, Gary Payton II, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, Toscano, Anderson, and Looney all start for the Warriors. If we win, it could be the first back-to-back wins since March 19th. That's via cur- that's courtesy of James Edwards the third on Twitter. I'm really interested to see how does this team respond this time around to winning the previous game after the last time they had laid an egg in that Sacramento Kings game. First quarter, Killian Hayes with two early fouls, one of them offensive. This was a theme throughout the game. It's something I'm starting to get a little bit worried about with Killian Hayes, but Casey rolls with him, something that I'll get to in something to keep an eye on. Jordan Poole with an early eight points, and Golden State takes a 12-4 lead. Jordan Poole was big time. I'll talk about him when we talk about the Warriors at the end. Pistons are down 4-17, to and these are... Those early momentum swings I'm talking about, Cade comes out, he drills a three, Jeremy Grant answers with another three, and then Cade goes and gets a two-pointer. And this was just a great response from the Pistons, maybe something they learned from from the Kings game, like we've got to find a way to get a bucket and keep this game close, and they were able to do it in this game. They run the half-court trap at the end of this quarter. This is something I talked about if you listen to the last episode, and it's something I'm interested to keep an eye on. Um, I thought they ran it a little too early. There's still too much time in the shot clock and the Warriors ended up getting a free throw out of that three of nine inside the arc in the first quarter. And I'm going to give that at the end of the first half as well. And I agree that maybe this team should shoot less threes tonight. They shot 42. They are 14 to 42 from three. And I understand it. I get it, but it's also not like the twos are going in either. And I'm not sure that some of our guys are great two point shot makers. So, I don't know what the answer is, but I think it's easy to say shoot less threes, but it's not like the two-point percentage is necessarily great either. Down 23-26 going into the second quarter. Nice little set to start the second quarter to get Frank Jackson a three. I think my next breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys is going to be looking at the sets Coming out of timeouts to start quarters from this game and the Lakers game on Sunday night. So be on the lookout for that over Thanksgiving week. Numbers aren't bad as I thought, but seemed like we were really getting beat on the boards. Thought Wednesday night would have been the night that was going to happen against the Pacers, not against the front line of the Warriors. But it just seemed like we were getting beat in the paint. I know we lost the point in the paint battle tonight. Great minutes from Frank Jackson as he has 16 points. And we'll talk a lot about Frank as we go throughout the episode. Again, momentum after a timeout. Pistons use the same set for two K-3s. So they run it right after the timeout. Bangs a three. Next possession, he gets a beautiful pass to Frank Jackson for a corner three. And then they run the same set. They go back to it again. And Isaiah Stewart actually has a nice little subtle screen to get Kate another three. In the first half, Grant and Bay combined for two of 15 from the field. One of nine from three. Um, and the team as a whole, again, I talked about the two pointers, seven of 18 inside the arc for the Detroit Pistons in the first half as they're down five going into the second, 60 seconds into the second, third quarter, Just an awful scene, something you don't want to see, Isaiah Stewart rolls his ankle. I do believe, I asked about it on Twitter, I saw other people asking about it on Twitter, and I believe the answer that it was not the same ankle as this summer, which I do think is important. Luca Garza got the call, he got a few minutes in this game, he just got one rotation, got seven minutes, we did see him hit a pick and pop three. Stewart returned to the bench, so it's not like he stayed back in the locker room the whole time or had to go for x-rays or anything like that, but of course he didn't return to the game. Kind of feel like the energy was sucked out of the Pistons when that happened. Maybe it was just a third quarter lull coming anyway. And there was really a backbreaking possession where Kaminga misses a three, awful, real bad, but he chases down the loose ball. He comes up with it, and then the Warriors hit a three right at the shot clock buzzer. I thought that was, I honestly was worried that that was kind of the backbreaker for the game. I wasn't sure if the Pistons would get back into it at all. The Warriors closed the third quarter on a 9 2 run. The only bucket was a nice drive by Hami, who I think. Play decent you're starting to see the things that he can do for this team the athleticism the juice that he brings and I think he's playing with a sense of urgency it still again hasn't equated to like just an unbelievable game but the man did have 10 points and five rebounds in 13 minutes three of five from the field no turnovers so what I like about Hami is he's gotten this chance and so far he I feel like he's taking advantage of it going into the fourth down 16 Okay, it looked like this game was over. Detroit second unit plus Tadiq Bay trying to make a little run to start the quarter. Bay was kind of non-existent in this game. 3-14 of 14 from the field, 1-6 of six from the three-point line, only seven points. Trey Lyles has not been good, and that continued into tonight. Kojo returned to kind of the games we saw earlier in the year after a really, really nice game against the Pacers. But with that said, those guys make a nice little run. Bayley, Bay finally bangs a three off a nice Kojo pass followed by a Frank Jackson three, another one off a Kojo pass as well. So with all due credit to those guys and that unit who I didn't think necessarily played well tonight, they did make some important plays Right there, Frank Jackson had a steal and was fouled, and I, what I thought was a really nice momentum um, continuing play. All right, after that sequence of plays, there was a timeout by the Warriors. He got a steal and he showed that bounce. His bounce always sneaks up on me just a little bit. Warriors do a great job answering after the Pistons cut it to six, and I put it in the notes as it was happening. Do the Pistons have one more run in them? Question mark. You know they cut it to four after Cade free throws. Backs get interference on Sadiq Bay. I thought it was a good call. I know some people on Pistons. Twitter have questioned it I thought it was a good call that could have cut it to three but they go down and they get a stop Grant gets to the free throw line late in the game and makes both in a possession that I did not think looked very good in a possession where I would have liked Dwayne Casey to call a timeout but it ended up working out for the Pistons maybe a little bit of a bell out call but at the end of the day Grant got to the to the lane, got to the free throw line, and makes both free throws. Down three with 20-plus seconds, and I was really excited for this. I wanted to see what would Dwayne Casey go to, whose whose hands would the ball be in, who would get the shot. They go to Jeremy Grant and what I believe was an initial set for an isolation on the baseline to get him a bucket. Now, I need to go re-watch the film, but it didn't look to me like there was weak side action, like a hammer action or anything like that. So I think the actual set was an isolation for him. Didn't work. He throws it out. Eventually, we get the ball back to Jeremy Grant. He misses a three. Offensive rebound, Frank Jackson misses a three. And I can't help but be the guy that says, how does Cade Cunningham not touch the ball in that possession? I'm not second-guessing the coach. I'm not – maybe I am. I guess maybe I am. Okay, But I just don't understand how Cade Cunningham doesn't touch the ball in that possession, put the ball in that man's hands, or maybe I would be more understanding, I guess, if there was an action drawn up for it to eventually end up in his hands and it just didn't work, but it didn't look to me like he was really involved in that, and what we've seen from him, he's a number one pick, I think that it should have gone there. My biggest takeaways, bigger crowd for this game. I think that's the Warriors effect. And I do just want to, like, I understand the frustration from Pistons fans who bought their tickets to go to this game, you know, maybe saved up their money for just this game and Steph Curry doesn't play. But I also understand the team and what they have to do. Like, they looked at this as a chance to go on the road so it doesn't affect their own fans. Okay and possibly still get a win, which they got, and rest a couple of their best players. So I get it. It sucks. I hate it. I feel so bad for all the fans who bought tickets to the game tonight. And I understand because I bought—I have tickets to one game this whole season. And if Cade didn't play in that game or if Cade doesn't play in that game, I'm probably going to be pretty sad about it. We spent a lot of money on hotels and flights and all that to come out to Detroit, and we are absolutely juiced about it. I can't wait to meet all these people in person that I've met through the podcast, including my guy Wes Davenport, The producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast. I I would understand it. I know that's just part of the game sometimes, but it does suck for the fans. First quarter really looked like it was about to go like the Kings game. I love the response from the Pistons. I love that we didn't see a repeat of that game. Maybe it was something this young team learned from. They went back and watched that film after that game and said, "Okay, this is the things. These are the things we have to do. We have to have more focus. We have to find a way to get a bucket. We got to continue to get stops, whatever it is." And they found a way to do that tonight and keep the game close is it too small of a sample size to say that frank jackson has found his stroke i don't know but he's been shooting it better again i'm gonna save a little bit of this for a later segment but one thing i do want to highlight stay with the threes that got him here not somebody asked me on twitter are we ready to see on the move threes i'm not ready for that yet continue to find ways to get him set feet set in the corner you know hammer threes whatever it is Set shot threes for Frank Jackson. But the other thing I want to see Frank Jackson doing, continue to shot fake and drive to the basket because he's shown an ability to do that and do it very well. Guys, Cade is going to be a special passer. When I did the breakdown earlier in the year on Cade, I got some pushback on this. And I will admit, he does still get some passes deflected. He's a little loose with his passes, a little lackadaisical or nonchalant, whatever term you want to use. But the vision and the accuracy of his passes is why I think he's going to be special combined with the fact that he can get where he wants to on the floor. Like I don't like to talk about my own career too much. I feel like I was a really good passer. I feel like I was a guy that saw the floor really well. And I think my coach would would say that as well, but I didn't have the physical tools. I didn't have the wiggle. I didn't have the, the physical ability like athleticism to get to spots on the floor that really created that those opportunities where I could highlight my passing ability. Cade has the whole package to be a special passer someday. This team is top 10 in terms of steals per game. I feel like they can be disruptive in that way. That's something I really like from them. Warriors are number two. How many turnovers do we end up with tonight? I was interested to watch that. Just 12. Okay, just 12 turnovers for the Pistons against the number two team in the league, then to forcing turnovers. That's a great number for a very young team in the Pistons. And we forced. The Warriors into 18 turnovers. So we saw the Pistons be disruptive, even with Steph and Draymond out. Okay, I think that's still an impressive number. But the Warriors had like double points off turnovers as the Pistons, and the Warriors had more turnovers. Like, I just, that stat doesn't make sense to me. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes. One last thing Rodney Magruder and Draymond combo at halftime. I don't think it's like a huge deal. Obviously, that blew up last season. Um, I think it was, you know, Draymond saying that Rodney's not a tough guy and all that stuff. But what's more interesting to me is like, I just wish I knew what they were talking about. Like, I just, I wish I could have been there and heard the conversation and how it went back and forth. I don't know why this stuff interests me so much. I don't know if you guys listening to this, if you have the same feeling, but I always want to sit courtside for a game. Like that's my dream is maybe not even courtside. I'd love to sit right behind the Pistons bench and hear the conversation between the head coach and the assistant coach and the head coach. I know it's Dwayne Casey. Sorry. I don't know why I'm referring to him just as the head coach, but head coach Dwayne Casey and Kate Cunningham or Kate and Killian or whatever it is. Like, I just want to hear in the trash talk that goes on. I don't know why. It just excites me the thought of sitting right behind a bench and hearing those conversations. Next segment, player of the game, Frank Jackson. Kind of a, I don't know if it's a breakout game. I think we've been kind of building to this, but 27 points, 8 of 15 from the field and 5 of 12 from the three point line. I thought Frank had a really nice night. A really big night. It was huge scoring-wise because of what we got from Sadiq Bay. Jeremy Grant ended up with 19, but for a long time didn't really, wasn't scoring it well. So great game from Frank Jackson. I don't want to say this is the Frank Jackson I thought we were going to see because it's crazy to think that he'd get 27 points every night. But what we've seen the last handful of games is who I thought he was. And I'm really excited to see if he's going to be able to continue this. Just a few plays of the game. I talked about this a little bit, but the K three after the timeout, really nice set. And then an absolute dime to Frank Jackson in the corner for a three, followed up by the same set used to get Cade another three. I believe those were back-to-back-to-back possessions to get nine points for the Pistons right there in the first quarter. A beautiful possession, I believe, it was in the second half that starts with a Grant driving kick. To Bay, one more to Hayes, one more to Frank, and Frank t- does turn down that three to shot fake attack and get to the rim and finish. I really, really like those just beautiful possessions of basketball. They're just beautiful basketball that you as a, a fan that just enjoys watching the game, it's aesthetically pleasing, and that possession was definitely one of those. K defense on Jer- uh, Jordan Poole late in the fourth. Really lock him up. We saw a couple possessions as he follows that up, maybe 30 to 60 seconds later. I don't know how Wiggins got open. I want to see the film, but he follows that up with a block on Wiggins on that possession. So we saw Kate, the defensive clutch guy, the defensive. Almost closer. Okay, I know we didn't end up closing it out, but we saw him making some big plays on the defensive end after we've seen the offensive end in previous games. Some things to keep an eye on. What I'm calling true fast break efficiency. And everybody continues to talk about transition. We're going to really dive into this with Amari for the episode that's dropping on Tuesday. But... They were, I think what I saw in True Fast Breaks in the first half, they were 0 for 4, and I'm not even sure the ball touched the rim. Jeremy Grant had one. I don't think he hit the rim. Hami, like, I know it's like just a weird thing, but he like blew a tire and doesn't get, and it, the ball just flies up in the air. Sadiq Bay gets it stripped. He ended up scoring, but the initial shot he gets stripped. Like this team just isn't very good in those situations. So I don't want to spoil the episode, but we're gonna dive into this what. Transition means to me and where I would like to see this team play faster. But uh, just a little bit of a spoiler, it's not this true fast break type stuff because right now, honestly, they're not very efficient in it. Cade Dwayne Casey letting Killian Hayes play through those two early fouls. I thought that was interesting. Cade also got two in the first quarter, and he continued to play his normal minutes. Didn't sub him out any earlier. So I thought that was interesting that Dwayne Casey did that because it was a couple games ago, two or three ago, where I believe it was Cade he took him out pretty early. He doesn't let him play in the third uh, excuse me. He doesn't let him play with three in the second quarter, though. So I believe there was a few minutes left to go in the second when he got his third, takes him out, and then takes him out with five in the fourth. But that might have been the thumb, and I don't know. This thumb thing is starting to get really, really worrisome. I know I've said that like I wanted to just see him play play through it, but as it continues to happen every game, if it's going to be this disruptive and take away this many minutes. I don't know. I think it's maybe it's at least time to row the weigh the pros and cons of killing setting some time, but it may depend on how much time that would be. Pistons baseline out of bounds play. Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna try not to go on this too much, but it just continues to blow my mind that they have success running the same out-of-bounds play when we're 15 games into this thing. And I think it's because me, this is like what I do as a high school coach. And again, guys, I don't like to talk too much about myself, but this is kind of what I do. Scouting is my thing, you know, and I, I get the other team's play calls and their hand signals. So when they when there's baseline out of bounds, I just stare at the other bench and I wait for them to yell out the play or do the hand signal. And, you know, and so I can tell my guys exactly what's coming. And it just – I guess I assume that's what happened in college and NBA. Maybe the NBA, there's too many games playing against too many different teams, but it just kind of always blows my mind that this baseline out of bounds play continues to work. Sorry that I went on a little tangent on that one there. Okay, one thing, another thing, the development of a guy like Isaiah Stewart being affected by these injuries. We've talked about this. James Edwards brought this up that, you know, he was out for six weeks over the summer. And maybe that's why we hadn't seen the offensive development from him. Well, now he goes down again. And depending how long he's out, like this could really disrupt isaiah stewart's sophomore year in his development and that's that, that's just disappointing it's sad i feel bad for isaiah stewart hopefully this ankle injury isn't a six-week thing like we saw with the first one and really what we saw from cade cunningham and do we make a signing now Okay, like you're down Kelly Olinick and Isaiah Stewart. Like I said, if it's four, six weeks, you really have to consider going and getting someone else. I don't know that we play the next month with Luca Garza as our starting five man. And how long can this team survive playing small in general? And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe no, maybe people don't care. If 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 you're in the tank situation you know, mindset and losing games is okay because we want to get Paolo Benchero or whatever it is or Imani Bates then maybe it's okay and you do want to see Luka Garza 30 minutes a night and just see what he has but I do think it's interesting I don't know who's out there this conversation was had when Olenek went down now I think it's really going to be had as you go sign a guy at least for a couple months to hold down the fort till those guys get healthy and then another thing I want to keep an eye on is defensive communication I feel like we're giving up a couple buckets a game on just sheer lack of communication as West dropped me a little nugget here, no roster spot to sign someone. So that's a whole nother aspect of that. Something I didn't think about. I always kind of, you know, overlooked that aspect of it. So, you know, that's another thing. Maybe the trade for Bagley is the thing then if you have to find a, a roster spot. So thank you for West. That's why I got him here. That's my man, West always dropping those little nuggets to try to help me sound smarter. So thank you, West defensive back to the defensive communication. Again, a couple buckets a game. The Bealita bucket to stop the momentum in the fourth quarter was a miscommunication. The K block late in the game, I haven't seen the highlight yet, but I have to imagine that was miscommunication on a sideline out-of-bounds play. So it's just something that's interesting. Again, a young team still trying to build some chemistry. We always talk about it on the offensive end, but maybe they're still a little bit on the defensive end, figuring out who are we switching with, when are we switching, why are we switching, You know, all those type of things. And just something to keep an eye on to see if that continues to get, or if it'll start to get better as we go out, go throughout this season. A few quick thoughts on the other team, Jordan Poole guys, he was really good. He was really impressive. This was a guy that preseason, you know, sometimes those preseason conversations and guys to watch for and all that don't come to fruition. But this was a guy I kept seeing people talk about. He's going to have a big year. He's going to have a big year. And Jordan Poole absolutely has had a big year. He was, he just kind of wowed me tonight. He had 32 points points on in 13 to 22 seven rebounds he did have four turnovers but I'm sure his usage was very high Jordan Poole was really really impressive and I'm really interested to see what his role is for this team as they get healthy and when they get into the playoffs if he's able to continue to be this effective Wiggins he may not be the guy people wanted or expected, but he is still super talented. I know he's not living up to the hype necessarily. He had 27 tonight. It feels like he just always has a quiet, you know, really good scoring output, but he is super talented. And again, a guy It's going to be interesting is that this is a team I truly believe is going to be a contender in the, um, in the West. It's going to be interesting to see how Wiggins fares in the playoffs. Gary Payton II was solid. I'm interested to see if he can continue to get minutes for this team. I thought he had a good game. Bielitsa is a nice little change of pace big that can pick and pop and be a three-point threat. The other guys, eh, not quite as much. But, you know, whenever you take out Steph and Draymond and roles change, sometimes that will happen. I kind of heard about Moody being more of a factor. And I'm surprised he hasn't been, but maybe the emergence of Jordan Poole is the reason for that. Final thing here, just to look ahead, we get the Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday night and next Sunday. Also kind of interesting that seven days apart, we'll play them on Sundays. They're playing the Celtics tonight with LeBron James back in the lineup. And Wes is typing in the notes for me as we speak to update me on this game. The Lakers are down 99-116 with five minutes to go. I believe the Lakers were up in that game earlier. So maybe a fourth quarter collapse there. I haven't seen any of that game, but looks like the lakers will be coming off a loss going into sunday night against the pistons play old wade old friend wayne ellington who's getting about 22 minutes a night in the games he's played i believe he was injured early in the year but has been back i think he's played in like 8 to 10 games something like that shooting 38% from 3 always really liked wayne ellington you know and and the the way he shoots the ball is, is really really impressive and it's a, a thing of beauty and something i always really always really like to watch, so it'll be good to see Wayne Ellington, but uh, maybe that three-point shot will be just a little bit off on Sunday night. Lakers are one of the worst teams in the league in turnovers per game, so maybe we can force them into some and... Again, maybe not fast break, but just getting early secondary transition, which is I'm going to talk about on the next episode. But maybe we can force them into turnovers, and that can be a way we can help stop them defensively. Come on, Anthony, having a good season, shooting the ball well for the Lakers. And I'm just interested to see how they look. Again, I've talked about this. I don't always get to see a ton of other NBA games because I'm just so honed in and focused on the Pistons. So I haven't seen the Lakers play a bunch. I do watch them a little bit more than other teams because they're on national TV so much. But I am interested to see how they're looking. I know LeBron's been out for a while, so maybe the chemistry won't be great. But this was a team I was critical of their offseason just in terms of the fit of the team they put together around LeBron, especially with Russell Westbrook. So I'll be interested to see that and interested to see how our Pistons respond from a really, really tough loss. How does this young team, how are they... Able able to bounce back from now a tough loss and to one day rest and then play another very solid team very good team from the west in the los angeles lakers as always i want to thank my guy Wes davenport who we call the producer of the motor city hoops podcast takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better and easier for me as you saw that tonight as he bailed me out with the open roster spot and then updated that lakers score for me and you're going to start hearing Wes's voice just a little bit more on some of these episodes as well I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we are getting right now. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you reach out and let us know. A couple episodes ago, I had someone add me on Facebook, just send me a message, say, hey, really enjoy the podcast. Guys, I love that. And then I love being able to continue to interact with you after you do that, talk to you during the games, after games, throughout the week, all that stuff. I'm here for that interaction. And then tell a friend about it so we can continue to grow. We're always looking for ways to grow Motor City Hoops. And we just love this. We love doing this. And before I finish it off, I want to give a shout out to my wife again for allowing me to spend so much time doing this. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday. With the return of our weekly hour-long episode drop, and we'll have an amazing guest as I'll be joined by Omari Sankofer from the Detroit Free Press. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.